0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite Queen's Claimed Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and today I'm joined by our Director of Content, Rachel Whitbeck. In addition to working here at Petite Queen, Rachel is working towards her PhD of Sociology at the University of Limerick in Limerick, Ireland. The focus of her research is the lived experiences of multiple minority LGBTQ people in Ireland. Today, we're going to be talking about how to use LGBTQ inclusive language in the workplace both as an organization and as an individual professional. Rachel, it's so fun to have you on today.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I know I'm not usually here.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since you've been on a podcast with us, but, you know, it's never too late to come back. So before we get started, if any of our listeners are joining us for the first time, please make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcast. And while we're on the subject, please take another second to give us a five-star review because we would really appreciate it. Okay, so let's dive in. So Rachel, what makes you such an expert on the topic of LGBTQ plus language and inclusivity? What's your background with the community? Well, you know, I'd never call myself an expert. I'm
1: a learner, just like we're all learning. Um, I am part of the LGBTQ plus community. I'm asexual and aromantic. Um, and my research, as you mentioned, does focus on LGBTQ+ plus experiences. So, with that research, I've talked to representatives from LGBTQ+ plus organizations here in Ireland, and also LGBTQ+ plus individuals um, and on their own personal experiences. In addition to that, I've had some training on inclusivity, especially around um, transgender inclusivity, and I've um, I run a queer reading group at the university, and I've also just spent about the last decade involving myself in LGBTQ plus media and spaces online, pages, forums. So I've been gathering information, um, trying to learn the best I can, and I'm hoping that I can share some of what I've learned with our audience here today.
0: That's great. Yeah, I've been learning about it a lot in the last several years, too, not nearly to the degree that you are, but, um, you know, trying to engage with more media that includes them, reading more uh, nonfiction and articles about different issues with the community and good things within the community, so. Yeah, the stories involving us, (laughs) which is nice. Yeah, definitely. So let's start with the basics. Why does making language inclusive for the LGBTQ plus community matter so much? Well,
1: it matters for the same reasons why any kind of inclusive language is important. Um, Whether that's inclusive language around race, around parenthood, around disability, it's just the fact that we're here We've always been here and we're everywhere. If you think you don't know any LGBTQ plus people, chances are you really you, you do already. Um, and it's just a matter of being respectful, um, acknowledging our existence here. I know that there's often the idea that you assume that someone's heterosexual and you assume that they're cisgender because that's what's normal. But by taking that view, it really doesn't leave a lot of space for us unless we want to be like, <clears throat> actually, um, I'm not straight. I'm whatever I am or I'm I'm trans or and it's just it can be kind of awkward to have to like raise your hand and be like, you're making incorrect assumptions about me. Um, we just, you know, it's not always fun to have to do that, because if someone's not using inclusive language already, Um, then we are not sure whether it's safe for us to come out to this person or to these people, Um, whether they would react poorly or try to distance themselves from us. Um, So by using inclusive language, it's just sort of telegraphing that you're a safe person to be out around and, you know, that goes a long way in helping LGBTQ plus people just feel comfortable in your organization and with you individually, um, instead of having to feeling like they have to hide part of themselves, themselves, trying to police the language that they use so that they don't accidentally out themselves. Um, just using inclusive language makes makes us feel a lot safer. And we don't need to have a big conversation about it. This is the workplace. We don't have to be having lengthy conversations about our dating life or our gender journeys or whatever the case may be. It's just, you're okay here. I'm not going to judge you for your sexual orientation or gender.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important for people, I mean, in this case, organizations, but I mean, people in general to be um accepting of other people and being inclusive and like being more open and direct about your inclusivity I think shows that you do respect other people all kinds of people and um that they are safe there yeah and it's just
1: I mean people kind of discount how exhausting it can kind of be to feel like you have to like I said police your language and be like can I tell this story about my weekend do I have to be vague about the gender of my partner um, mm-hmm. or just simple things like that. So it's just, it's a way to allow them to let their guard down and hopefully do their best work that way as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, that's a really good point. Can you describe the ways that we talk about gender and how that needs to evolve? Yeah, so there's a lot of, of learning that we have to do.
1: Right now we're sort of in this period for the last five to 10 years of um, learning more about gender and transgender people. So the first thing to keep in mind is that um, sex and gender are different things. Um, Your sex is built up of your chromosomes, um, your hormones, as well as your phenotype, which is, you know, uh, the genitals, both external and internal. Meanwhile, gender is your internal understanding of yourself and how you interact with others and how you fit into the world. So that's the difference. And unless we're in the medical field, we're almost always talking about gender, not sex. Transgender is an umbrella word term that just covers anyone who doesn't identify as a gender that aligns with the sex that they were assigned at birth. So, if you're cisgender, then like I'm cisgender, I was assigned female at birth and I identify as a woman. Um, so, transgender would be if I was anything other than a woman, even though I was assigned female at birth. Um, so, you have trans men and trans women, and it's important to keep in mind that there's a space there. It's trans men and trans women, trans is an adjective. Um, So that's why we have that separation there. It's not trans man, one word. Um, Mm -hmm. So underneath transgender, the transgender umbrella, there's another umbrella, smaller umbrella, which is non-binary, which covers anyone whose gender is not man or woman. Um, It can be somewhere in the middle. It can be completely outside of that. Um, You have agender, gender fluid. Some people simply identify as non-binary um so those are the kinds of terms that you need to use and there's a lot more that we could get into here but I don't want to um but I do want to focus on the topic at hand which is how to be inclusive in the workplace so there are a few different ways that you can put this into um into practice and it all really comes down to not assuming anyone's gender um just because a person looks a certain way you might be inclined to assume that they're Um, a man or a woman or non-binary, but it's just leaving space for them to tell you what they are um, if they want to. So gender-neutral language can be simple things like, um, like saying, okay, sorry, there's a bit of a struggle here. So gender-neutral language can be something simple like using they, the singular they. I know that a lot of grammarians, especially especially slightly older grammarians, tend to take issue with that. They think it's grammatically correct to say him or her or his or hers. But we've been using the singular they in English for literal centuries. It's not a new concept. And we use it every day in our speech. And it's correct to use in writing as well. So you can, when you're talking about a person and you don't want to identify their gender or you don't know their gender or their gender is not, speci- not really relevant, you can use they. Um, they are a good worker. Um, They are heading out of the office now, so if you want to go catch them, got to do it now. Um, Simple things like that. And anyway, his and hers and him or her, it's just really clunky. It's not a comfortable thing to say. So they um, is a much smoother, more elegant and more inclusive word.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah, I just want to jump in and say, um, I, I know that a lot of people kind of, you know, more transphobic people tend to say, oh, but saying they is so complicated and confusing, but it's not. I mean, as you said, we've been using it for centuries, and there are many examples where people people use they to describe a person that they don't know what their gender is. So, for example, like, oh, a technician is going to arrive at my house in three hours. They'll be here at three o'clock or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, right, just right there, yeah. I said they to describe a person because I don't know what the gender of that person is, and it's used the same way for, for people who are non-binary, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: people who are non-binary often use they as their pronouns, so they, them. Right. Um, you might hear other ones like, I've heard of Z and Xur, but I've never, I've never met anyone with those pronouns. But if you do come across someone with a pronoun that you haven't heard of, it's okay to look it up. Um, it's okay to, to try to practice with it. It is their pronouns. It's respectful for you to to try to put them into use. And I actually have more to say about pronouns, but before we dive into that, um, another example is if you're um, for gender neutral language is addressing a room. We're very very familiar with the the term ladies and gentlemen when you're beginning a speech. Um, And that's fine, but it is not very inclusive. It's only referring to people who are binary, ladies and gentlemen, and anyone who's non-binary is is excluded from that. So you can say something simple like honored guests um, or distinguished guests or skip it all together. Hello there. (laughs) Glad to be talking with you. Um, You know, so there are lots of different ways that you can be gender neutral and it's okay to do that. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's not just okay, it's preferred. So, but coming back into pronouns, um, so we've talked about they, them, and some potential other ones um, like Zezer there's a way that we can normalize um, introducing our pronouns. So we often meet someone and assume that they're male or female, man or a woman, and say he said this or she did that, um, when it's perhaps not accurate. And there's a very simple way to to telegraph that you're accepting of all genders um, and to invite people to share their gender with you. And that's just by including your pronouns. So Amanda, I know that both you and I, in our email signatures here at Petite to Queen, we include our pronouns. So it mm-hmm. says Rachel Whippick, she, her, director of content, blah, 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 at the end of all my emails. And that's just a very simple way to telegraph that A, I'm aware that there are many genders, <laughs> and B, that um, It doesn't make you weird. It's not abnormal to have to announce what your pronouns are. Just by normalizing it, saying, these are my gender, these are my pronouns, rather, everyone feels welcome to share their pronouns. And that way, it's not just the non-binary person has to be like, my pronouns, are they, them? And everyone's also like, oh, goodness, I didn't even think of that. By this, we're just welcoming the information. We're letting people know that we are thinking about it and that it is normal and welcome to announce what your pronouns are.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's important for all people to include their pronouns like like we do. Like we're both cisgender women, but um, by us including our pronouns, it invites other people, regardless of what their identity is, to, uh, to include theirs too. Um, I think another similar one, which we might get into a little bit, but is talking about um, if you're with a person. Um, we have a family member who uses the term partner to describe the person that she's with. And although they are, um, a heterosexual couple, it still, it, it again, it normalizes that you don't have to call the person you're with um, like your boyfriend or your husband or something. You, you can call them your partner and use that kind of gender neutral term. And it's completely normal. And and it's not like only certain people can use it and anyone can use it and uh, makes it more inclusive for everyone else.
1: That is true. Yes. And I've worked with some people who called their, their partner their partner as opposed to boyfriend or girlfriend. And in this case, it was, again, a heterosexual relationship. And that just really also goes a long way in normalizing that you don't have to name your partner as having a particular gender, because it's kind of nobody's business anyway, um, if you don't mm-hmm. want to share that information. And again, it normalizes it so that if a person says partner, it doesn't automatically out them as being anything other than straight. So,
0: yeah, yeah that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So most people are aware of different sexual orientations. How can we talk about this in a way that's respectful and inclusive?
1: Yeah, we have come a long way in talking about um, sexual orientation. So it's something we used to call it perhaps like a sexual preference. Um, we're now much more aware that it's not a preference, it's not a choice. Excuse me. Um, so don't think of it as as a, something that they're choosing or just a preference. It is an, a, a a part of who they are, and that's similar to the, the pronoun situation. They're not preferred pronouns. They are your pronouns. Um, it's not It's not optional. So, right. but moving beyond that, most of us know that by now, because as you've said, we have come a long way. So I think just when you're talking to people in the workplace or outside of the workplace, you just, you don't have to assume that they're straight. You don't have to walk up to a woman and ask if she has a boyfriend or, I mean, you shouldn't do that anyway. But, right. um, and like you don't have to assume those kinds of things it's it can act it can make things a little strange so don't just assume that somebody's straight until they tell you otherwise don't assume anything because you have no idea what their orientation is and also when somebody does come out to you one way or another they mention having a partner of the same gender or a a non-binary gender don't act shocked when they tell you that they're gay or bisexual or anything, or from, I'm, I'm asexual that can get some surprising responses. Yeah. Um, like, so don't, don't be shook when somebody says that they're anything other than straight. like, Oh, Oh, am I, I'm sorry. That makes it feel a little weird. You don't also You also don't have to overcompensate and be like, Oh, well we love the gays or I have lots of gay friends. Um, it's, you know, it's fine. We're just we're just people. Um, so if you don't make the assumption, then you're not going to be shocked. So it all kind of goes together. And my third point is to believe a person when they tell you something like this. So I mentioned twice now, this is the third time, just in case you haven't picked it up. I'm asexual. Um yeah. And I know that there are people in the world who don't believe that that's a sexual orientation. And I know that for bisexual people, pansexual people, um, people think it might be a phase. When it comes to pansexuality, a lot of people have never heard of it. Um, If you're not familiar with the sexual orientation, then, you know, just accept it. When somebody tells you what they are, believe them. And even if you don't believe them, even if in the back of your mind you're thinking, I don't think that's a sexual orientation, first I um, encourage you to do some research. But even if you're not going to do that, even if you're going to hold these beliefs, you don't have to share them. Your Mm -hmm. opinion on the matter really has no place in the conversation, has no place in their life, especially if this is a professional setting. Um, And also don't ask weird questions. Uh, So it's funny because straight people don't have these conversations thrust upon them all the time um, about like who they date and like what – like there are a lot of sexual questions that can come up. Um, and if you're talking to a transgender person, there's a lot of questions about their genitals. These are not questions you would ask a straight cisgender person. Don't ask an LGBTQ plus person. It's just really inappropriate anyway. Um, so I know you're curious. It's some, it might If it's something that you haven't come across much in the past, you probably do have questions. It's perfectly normal and natural to have questions. Google is your friend. Your person in front of you is not Google, and you don't need to ask them very invasive questions (laughs) about their own lives.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like um, questions that they might ask that are kind of weird that they wouldn't ask a straight person or a a cisgender person be like, oh, when did you find, like, when did you discover or decide that you were gay? Or when did you discover or decide that um, your gender identity doesn't match your. sex you're assigned at birth you know and those are questions that i've never been asked personally as a cisgender and straight person like no one's ever asked me oh when did you figure out you were straight you know that's not a question (laughs) i've ever encountered (laughs) yeah it's kind of weird but i i also agree with what you said at the end about um well two things one is that if you don't agree with what they identify as or if you don't believe in it it's none of your business. So whether or not you like it or agree with it, it doesn't really matter. Keep it to yourself and just accept that they they can be who they want to be, and it doesn't negatively impact your own life. So that's one thing I wanted to mention. Another thing is um, Google. Google is your friend. There have been a lot of new terms that have that have either um, been coined in the last few decades or that have become more popular in the last few decades so for example like i never heard the term cisgender until i'm not sure early 2010s i think i had never heard that term before and i remember i had to ask i think i asked you about it rachel and i was like what does that mean and you told me and i also googled it because then i figured out that google is a thing and um like you can learn a lot just by looking it up and you don't have to ask people and make them uncomfortable you know you can you can do your research it's out there we have the internet everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. Google is your—that's also going to be a common theme throughout the rest of this discussion. Is that Google is your friend, or Bing, or DuckDuckGo, or whatever search engine you use. Um, Yahoo. The internet. (laughs) Yahoo. (laughs) Whatever you
0: use. (laughs) Or you could go to YouTube, look at videos, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so it's common to ask colleagues personal things. And naturally, questions related to gender or sexual orientation might arise. How can we navigate these questions and conversations gracefully?
1: So my general advice, especially in a professional setting, is if you don't have to ask a question, just don't ask it. Um, That's not to say that nobody should know anything about anyone else's lives. So at my own university, um, with, with my own supervisors, they just don't really share much about their personal lives. And for me, it's just really strange that I know nothing about their lives like <laughs> their personal lives and so i if you feel that way like you want to just have some context for the person you're talking with i understand that um that doesn't mean you get to launch an inquisition um so my policy would be don't ask let them tell so um let a person tell you or mention it or let slip like if a woman's talking to you and she mentions her girlfriend then there she's she's let you know that she's not straight probably <laughs> um And, you know, just things like that. So generally, you don't have to ask. That said, there are times when the questions will come up, or maybe you have a hard time filtering what you say. I know I'm like, I have a lot of word vomit going on a lot of the time. Um, So there are more, um, more inclusive ways to do that. So a lot of the time, like maybe there's an office party, you know post-COVID. Um, you want to ask them whether they're bringing anyone. You can just ask them that, first of all. Hey, are you bringing anyone to the office party? But maybe you want to know if they're going to bring a date. You can ask if they have a date. You can ask if there's if they're going to bring their partner. As you mentioned earlier, partner is a gender-neutral term to talk about a person. Um, there's also, we haven't touched on polyamory yet. There are other ways of organizing relationships besides um, mono. Uh, monogamous and exclusive relationships which are the the norm so you can say are you bringing your partner or partners um so you know and and don't don't be weird about it when somebody mentions that they have more than one partner it's not your business again um (laughs) so when when you do ask these questions though if you have asked this question then it's your time to listen if the person that you're asking has changed the subject, that's a pretty good uh, sign that they don't really want to talk to you about it. And that's that's okay. Maybe they don't feel comfortable talking about it with you. Maybe not right now. Maybe not here. Or maybe they're just like, I don't feel like explaining this. Um, so they just change the subject. Allow it. Because educating people on LGBTQ plus topics, things, it can get exhausting sometimes, Um, especially when you're the only LGBTQ plus person in this group, in this organization, then you're kind of the token person and you're also the go-to resource. Um, It's like, is this inclusive? How should I say this? Is this a thing? Um, And it's just, a lot of the times, most of us are happy to answer, we welcome the questions, but it is also exhausting because we're not search engines. We are actual human beings. We are more than our sexual orientations and our genders, um, and it's just, and we also don't know everything about everything. I'm asexual, aromantic, and cisgender. I'm not an expert on anything outside of those those categories, those labels, and I'm not even really an expert of those labels. Um, right. So yes, returning to Google or your preferred search engine, um, you can throw even folks out there if you want to go old school. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it can just get exhausting. So keep in mind what kinds of questions you're asking them. Keep in mind how often you're asking them questions. And it's okay to check in with them and say, hey, I know I've been asking you a lot of questions about gender identity. Um, I just wanna make sure, are, are we getting kind of tired of it, I can ask out someone else, I can just Google it. I find it just really easy to talk to you, but I also don't want you to feel like this is a burden. You can say that um, and let them know that they don't
0: have to talk to you about these things. Yeah, I had a similar conversation to that, actually, uh, many years ago, when I was still in college. Um, many years, I'm, I'm making myself sound pretty old now. Back in I'm like 30. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but I had a friend who was uh, in some of my classes, and he was very religious. He was Catholic, I think. And I'm an atheist, as are you. And this is very different. It's about religion. But I was asking him some questions. And I asked him, like, are you okay with me asking these questions? Like, I don't have to ask you if you don't want to talk about it. And he was like, no, actually I welcome these questions. I I want to have conversations. So he and I had a very um, nice conversation about like his views versus my views. And we were both very respectful of each other. I think that's something that needs to carry over with anyone that you're talking to, whether it's talking to someone about uh, their gender or sexuality and it's different from yours or whether you're talking to a person of a different race than you. Um, I think it's always important to be respectful and be mindful that it is a lot of work on their part. I mean, that, they're not required to teach you everything. As we've said before a few times, Google is your friend. But if if they're willing to have that conversation, that's nice. But don't expect it of them. And don't force them to keep explaining things to you. Yeah. Yeah, it can get. And you're right, because it is similar with any
1: kind of sort of tokenism. Or you find someone who's different from you in some way. You Again, curiosity is natural. It's normal. It's even encouraged. It is good to want to learn. But a person did not necessarily sign up to be your teacher, especially not all the
0: time. So yeah. yeah. And one thing I want to mention um, adding on to that is like, it is good to be curious, but it's also good to make sure that you're curious and want to find out more from a, from a positive place as opposed to a negative place. Like if you're grilling a person, that's not good. But if you're asking like nice questions, cause you generally want to know that's more. Okay. But again, yeah, it's going to be an interrogation trying out. to prove something. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Okay, so let's talk about messing up, because we all will. How can we overcome accidental blunders and move forward with more consideration?
1: So yeah, we are all going to mess up. I have messed up. I will mess up. Many years ago, I did ask a Black woman whether I could touch her hair. I know now not to do that. And I know that's not the same as sexual orientation or gender, but we have been discussing a lot of overlap and inclusivity there. So I've since learned that that is not an okay thing to do. So uh, she's probably not listening, but if that woman is listening, I apologize. Um, More recently, I did misgender a friend of mine and I know their gender, I know their pronouns, but for some reason my my brain (laughs) just slipped um, and used the wrong pronoun, my bad. Um, And it can be really embarrassing. And especially if you're fighting against some old habits, I know it can be so, so hard. If you're not used to using they, them as, pr- as a pronoun for an individual person, or if you're not used to um, thinking of partners as, a spo- as opposed to girlfriends and boyfriends, it can be difficult and you're going to slip up. In any case, when you do mess up, um, the, the steps are apologize, correct yourself, move on with the conversations. Don't make a whole scene of it, it makes it weird. And then later, practice. So I'll give an example. Um, Let's say I'm talking to my friend, Tony, who is non-binary, they use they, them. Um, Or maybe I'm talking about Tony. So I'm saying, yeah, Tony's pretty great. He did this, sorry, they did this, and then move on. That's how you would do it um, in the conversation. And then I'll go home and say, Tony is my friend. They are fantastic. They are a great writer. They have cool hair. It's okay to practice it out loud and make it feel natural. Um, so that's that's how you do it. And the idea is to get better every time. Apologizing, correcting, and moving on is only going to get you so far. You have to do the practice as well because if you keep making the same mistake, people are going to notice, and mm-hmm. that's not so nice. Yeah, I, I also like... know that it can be um, difficult because Amanda, you mentioned something earlier that language changes. The language here is contested and it's changing and it's evolving. There's not an annual summit of all LGBTQ plus people in the world. We don't all get together and have a vote on what the vocabulary is. Um, It's it's an ongoing conversation that's happening in a lot of different spaces about what's the best term to describe this and it will change. Um, A couple of decades ago the word transsexual was used. And now we know that that's not really an accurate description of what we're talking about. We're talking about gender, not sex. Transgender is the word now. Mm -hmm. Um, And there wasn't that long ago that we would say trans woman as one word. And now we know that it's trans space woman. And this is just from conversations and looking at the different ways that we can be more and more inclusive. And I know that it can be frustrating. You'll use a word uh, you think is correct because it was but then someone will stop and correct you say actually you should be saying this now and i know that that's frustrating um mm-hmm. in that case you thank them for telling you and you correct yourself and you move on and you maybe research it if you want to learn more about why and you practice again um so if you said that you have a transsexual friend and you're some the person that you're talking to is like Probably transgender, that's that's usually the term now. You can feel embarrassed, but say, oh, my bad, a transgender friend. Then go home, why is it transgender and not transsexual? <laughs> um, okay. And you'll learn, and um, you'll grow. And also, there are different terms. So in this conversation, we've been using the acronym, acronym LGBTQ+. There are lots of different acronyms, such hear: LGBT, LGBTQIA, LGBTQIAP+. There are lots of letters. Um, and you know there's there's different opinions about which one is the best to use. Um, the, the idea is just to pick one and stick with it. Um, the plus is also a good move because it lets everyone know that there are more identities than are represented in these letters. Yeah. Um, and then finally, another reason why you might mess up is it's not so much messing up. It's that LGBTQ plus people were not a monolith. You're talking to an individual who has individual preferences. So for people of my generation and younger, I'm a millennial. I'm 20. Well, I'm almost 28 in 11 days. Um, I'm 27, though. Um, we use the, queer, the word queer um, for a lot of identities. It can be an umbrella term. It can be a word that we use to kind of challenge um, different ideas. Um, but queer is an acceptable word for most people my age but not everyone. And for older people, they might um, not like it because it's often being used as a slur. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing my own research, if I am thinking about using the word queer in my conversation with a participant, I do ask them, is it okay if I describe you as queer? Does, is that accurate? And then they'll let me know. Um, they've always said yes, but if someone were to say no, then I, I just wouldn't use that word. And so if you're yeah. talking to a person and you use a term that is correct. But they prefer a different term, then use that term for them. It's, I know it can be confusing. You're you'll probably mess up again, especially if it's different from everything else that you've been learning. Um, but it's just a sign of respect. And it's important to just try. And that's actually my main message of today is that if you put in the effort, LGBTQ plus people will notice and will appreciate it. We like seeing people trying to learn. We like seeing people practicing using the right language. We know that it's confusing. We know that it's a lot to learn, especially if you're coming at it um, with no background knowledge. If we see you trying, we'll appreciate it because it means so much to us that you're putting in the effort to make us feel respected
0: and welcome and comfortable. Yeah, that is absolutely true. I was actually going to say some things, but that's actually a really nice way to end it. But I was gonna mention when you're talking about how language evolves and how like transsexual was used and now it's transgender. I was gonna say I feel like queer is kind of the opposite. I feel like queer was um, considered offensive for a long time, and I feel like it's kind of been reclaimed by the LGBTQ plus community, at least by a lot of people in it. Or, or yeah, it has under, been reclaimed. Yeah, yeah. So it, once again, it proves that that language is always evolving, and and that can make it hard for you to keep up. I mean, um, if the language is always changing, you might not know what okay to say what's accurate to say now. But like we said, that's why, that's why you can ask questions. You can use Google and, um, just try to stay, try to stay positive and open-minded about it because that'll be good for you. And it'll be good for all the people that you interact with.
1: Yeah. You don't need to be like every month checking what new LGBTQ plus terms are there. Um, you know, we don't want to add extra things to your plate. We just, Like I said, we want to see you trying. And if you're not sure of a word, you say, I have a friend. I think they're transsexual. Is that the right word? And then the person we're talking to may say, no, Um, that's, that used to be the term. Now it's transgender. It's like, okay, I have a transgender friend, et cetera. Um, So, yeah. And like I said, we really appreciate the effort. And I guess one final thought is that, you know, we're just people. We're just people who want to feel welcomed and respected and, um, you know, that, that
0: you think that we belong where you are because we're already here, so. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, we all deserve to be respected and accepted for who we are. I definitely yeah. agree with that. So Rachel, thank you so much for sharing how professionals and organizations can be more inclusive and respectful with their LGBTQ plus colleagues. This has been mm-hmm. a wonderful discussion and it was so nice to have you on. Yeah, it was really great having this conversation. I'm glad that hopefully I can help somebody somewhere. I think so. I think this was a very informative discussion. So for everyone listening, do you have any ideas that we that you would like to share? Chime off in our comment section because we'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have a question or like to suggest topics for discussion, please email us at com. To stay current with all of our insightful advice and breakthrough advantages, sign up for our weekly Wisdoms newsletter. And as always, thank you for listening.